a solopreneur, entrepreneur, business owner, or department head, this show is made specifically for you. In these mini interviews, we're going to be talking with the best, the world's greatest business minds, and we get to pick their brains for 20 minutes and bring you practical ideas that you can hear today and start implementing starting from tomorrow. Our mission for this show is one, creating unique and unforgettable experiences is the key to creating a sustainable business. In the second part of the interview, our head of business development, Sophia Shilimindri, will be selecting questions from the audience. So feel free to type your questions in the Q&A section, not in the chat section, in the Q&A section, if you're watching us from Zoom, or if you're watching us from uh, live from any other platform, please place it below in the comments. In this first episode, I couldn't have selected, we couldn't have selected anyone other than the king of customer experience, and that's Joy Coleman. Joy, welcome to our show. Oh, thank you, Michael. I'm honored to be here and uh, join you and your friends and your fans for this conversation today. Thank you. Just a few more words about Joy. Joy is an impressive person with an amazing uh, CV, resume. He is one of seven children brought up in Iowa in the United States, and he's a graphic artist turning to lawyer, turning to salesman, turning to teacher, and according to his website, turning to a spy, which he can later on elaborate. <laughs> He's the author of the best-selling book, which was ranked second in the Wall Street Journal, titled Never Lose a Customer Again. And he's on a mission to help companies convert one-time buyers into lifelong customers. His first 100 days methodology fuels the remarkable experience his clients deliver and which dramatically improve their profits. Once again, Joy, it's a pleasure and an honor having you on our show. Oh, Michael, it's a pleasure to be here, and thanks for that kind introduction. Yes, it's been a it's been a crazy, eclectic career thus far, but we've had a lot of fun. Excellent. First question, Joy. Please fill in the gaps if I forgot something uh, whilst I was introducing you. And secondly, can you please define the terms that we hear so often? Customer service and customer experience. What's the difference and what should we aim for? Sure. Well, I think you did a great job kind of filling in the gaps, but happy to answer any additional questions that your fans or audience have. Uh, I would say that often people use the word customer service and customer experience interchangeably. And I understand why they do that, because in many ways, those two phrases uh, have very similar meanings. But I think there's some cle clear, clear distinctions between the two. I define customer service is the assistance that we provide, that a company provides to those people who buy or use its products. Whereas customer experience is how our customers perceive those interactions. As a result, customer service has the tendency to be more reactive. The customer has a problem, they reach out to us, I don't understand, I have a problem, we help them. Whereas customer experience, I believe, is more proactive. It's what are we doing before the customer reaches out to us to let them know that we care, to let them know that we are committed to them using our product or using our service and getting the value out of it that we promised when they originally decided to become a customer. It's a single reply, which is uh, very valuable. So we should, we should start with customer service, but aim for customer experience, for reactive to proactive. Right, I think you wanna have both. And so you need to have systems in your business to be ready to react if something goes wrong. But from the moment you start designing your business, 
you should be thinking about the emotions that you want your customers to have. What can you do to create the kind of interactions that will leave them feeling well taken care of, surprised, delighted, and excited to talk about your business and your offerings to their friends and family? Excellent. And in your book, which I had the pleasure and the honor to read, uh, you mentioned about the 8A methodology. That's a methodology to bring, that's an experience, uh, customer experience framework. Can you please uh, succinctly touch upon each and every A with a simple example from various industries, if you can, so our audiences can understand the 8A methodology? Sure, I'll do my best. There's eight phases. So doing it succinctly is a little bit of a challenge, but we'll go through quickly. And needless to say, if you have any questions, don't hesitate to jump in. I believe that there are eight phases that your customer has the potential to go through on their journey. Now, whether they will go through all eight phases depends entirely on you, whether you're willing to hold their hand and help them navigate from one phase to the next. Each of the phases begins with the letter A. And the reason for that is because if you think of it almost as a report card or school marks from your customers, if you do all of these right, they give you straight A's. They feel you're doing a good job. So the first phase is the assess phase. In the assess phase, a prospect is trying to decide whether or not they wanna do business with you. In common parlance, we call this marketing or sales. It's where we're promoting our product or our service to the world and hoping that people will be intrigued enough to come and become a customer. Now, the secret in this phase is to give an experience that previews what it's going to be like to be a customer. So give them the chance to taste what it's going to be like to actually be a full-time customer and enjoy everything you have to offer. The second phase is the admit phase. In the admit phase, the prospect admits that they have a problem or a need that they believe that you can help them with. They sign on the dotted line, they raise their hand, they commit to being involved with you, they hand over their hard-earned cash, they transition from being a prospect to a customer. In this phase, most businesses actually pay attention. They know what's happening. There's a transaction that occurs. But the secret of this phase is to welcome the new customer in such a way that they begin to feel that they are appreciated and to give them a preview of what is to come. The third phase is the affirm phase. In common parlance, we call this buyer's remorse. This is when the customer who's just decided to become a customer begins to doubt the decision that they just made. And in this phase, what we need to do is affirm their decision to work with us. This can be as simple as letting them know how excited we are for the project, sharing testimonials from other customers and other successful case studies that have enjoyed doing business with us. It's addressing those fears and doubts and uncertainty they have about what a relationship with us is going to be like. We then come to the fourth phase. The fourth phase is the activate phase. This is the first real moment of truth where they receive our product in the mail and they take it out of the box, where they come to our office for a kickoff meeting or they start to experience our service for the first time. In the activate phase, you wanna energize the relationship, which is why I'm doing this. It's supposed to make the customer feel like you are right there with them, excited for the relationship and to show them that doing business with you is going to be unlike any business experience they've ever had. 
We then come to the phase that most businesses start to fall apart on. This is phase five, the acclimate phase. In the acclimate phase, you have to acclimate your customer to your way of doing business. You've done this dozens of times, hundreds of times, maybe thousands of times. But to a new customer, they've never done business with you. They have no idea what comes next. You need to hold their hand. Many people will say to me, but Joey, I told them about this in the proposal, or we sent them directions with the product. Friends, you don't read the directions. You just try to use the product. You don't read all the contracts you sign. You just try to get to the finish line. The moral of the story is we need to hold our customer's hand and help them acclimate. We then come to phase six, the accomplish phase. In the accomplish phase, the customer achieves the goal that they had when they originally decided to start doing business with you. Every prospective customer has something that they believe you're going to be able to help them with. And when they decide to become a customer, they have a belief that they will reach that finish line. Your job as the business is to do two things. Number one, know what their finish line is, not what your finish line is, what their finish line is. And number two, track their progress along the way so that when they cross that finish line, you can celebrate with them. We then come to phase seven, the adopt phase. This is when the customer becomes loyal to you and only you. They're not going to shop with any of your uh, competitors. They're not going to look at price of your competitors. They are committed to you and they will happily buy any product or any service that you offer because they are 100% committed. What are you doing to let your adopters know how much you value them and how much you appreciate them? This is an area where most businesses have a tendency to neglect their very best, most loyal customers especially when they do things like run promotions for new customers that offer a better deal than their old customers have. And their old customers see this and they don't feel appreciated. Which brings us to the final phase, phase eight, the advocate phase. This is when your adopters, when your loyal customers actually become raving fans. Not only do they want to do business with you, they want to get all their friends and colleagues to do business with you as well. They become your uncompensated sales force, singing your praises far and wide. And in the advocate phase, what we wanna do is acknowledge those referrals, reward that behavior and encourage them to do more. So as shortly as I could, Michael, those are the eight phases. You were amazing. And let me say that uh, if you buy the book, uh, if you buy Joy's book, How Never to Lose a Customer Again, you will see examples in there of companies that have done so, even individuals, and uh, from Lady Gaga to Zappos to many others. And in each phase, Joy uses more than five or six examples. It's a book that I highly recommend our followers and friends to buy. And today we're going to be handing out one book as a gift signed by Joy to one lucky winner. And uh, Sophia will be letting you know later on how you can win that book. Uh, another two questions, Sophia, we're extending our time just a little bit because Joy is doing fantastically well. Joy, in this post-COVID era, what practical examples or advice can you give to companies that have limited resources and they want to continue being profitable? Because we are almost all companies are facing the exact same problem, limited resources, complete new environment, they want to remain profitable, but we're in the post-COVID era. So any practical advice? Absolutely, Michael. So there, there's good news, there's bad news, and a suggestion for what to do about it. The good news. 
every business on the planet, in every industry, is dealing with the same problem at the same time. This is the first time in human history that this has happened. So the good news is you're not alone. Your competitors have the same struggle. Your customers have the same struggle. Everyone is in this together. The bad news, everyone's in this together. So we need to recognize that our customers are really struggling. Yes, we as business owners are struggling, but our customers are struggling too. What can we do? Two ideas. Number one, policies and procedures are not meant for pandemics. If you have strict policies and strict rules for how people should pay and what they get and when they get it, it might be time to look at those things and say, is this the best way to serve my customers right now? Now's when we should be thinking about payment plans, when we should be thinking about extending opportunities to our customers that we wouldn't normally do to acknowledge the reality of this pandemic world. Number two, appreciate your customers more now than ever before, because how you treat your customers now during this pandemic will be remembered. And the companies that take care of their customers now will have customers after the pandemic. What you need to be doing is reaching out to them. I understand the economic cost, but what does it cost you to take out your phone and shoot a personalized video that just tells your customers you appreciate them, you know what they're going through, you're here to support them and help them in any way that you can. It would be a 30 second video texted to your customer. They'll receive it. As a general rule, I think they would appreciate that. It will let them know that they matter. It will let them know that you're thinking of them. There's no upsell. There's no trying to get them to buy more product. It's attaching to their humanity and connecting in a personal and emotional way to our customers, which I would posit was always a good idea, but is certainly a very important idea in this pandemic era. Excellent, excellent advice. So move from, uh, from having a, a fixed policy to having a philosophy, because yes. policies are there to make life difficult for customers. Philosophies are there for a win-win situation. Absolutely. If I may, Michael, two quick yeah. examples of how to do that. So one of the major airlines here in the United States, Delta Airlines, within the first two weeks of the pandemic hitting the United States said, if you have a reservation with us, you can do two things. Number one, you can get a credit of the money back. We'll give you the money back. Number two, your reservation, we can turn it to a credit that will be good for two years. Now, before that, you couldn't get your money back if you bought an airplane no ticket and didn't fly. And if you got a credit, maybe it was good for three months. They immediately jumped to extending it to make a significant impact on their customers' lives. Another one, enterprise rental car. Here in the United States, in order to rent a car, you have to be 21 years old. Enterprise rental car said 18 years old when the pandemic hit. Why? because students were at university and college all around the country who now school was over and they needed to get home to their family and flights were being canceled. So Enterprise said, don't worry, we'll rent you cars even though you're 18 because we want you to be able to get home. The companies that move quickest to change their policies and procedures to make them even more customer focused are the ones that customer experience experts will talk about, that reporters will write about, that their customers 
will tell stories about now and into the future. So the moral of the story is, if you're in the United States, be careful whilst driving on the roads uh, for the next few months. Yeah, although most people aren't driving in the United States anymore, so you're actually safer on the roads today. You, you answered my next question as well. So let's keep it short. Let me ask you something. I'm flying next Sunday uh, to train a five-star resort in Greece. I'm training their management team. Can you give us some advice on how to ensure a wow customer experience in the post-COVID era for the hospitality industry? Anything that comes to mind, anything that yeah. comes to mind. In many ways, the same philosophies that worked pre-pandemic work post-pandemic. But one that allows you to really connect is the concept of empathy. Whenever we deal with our customers, we must empathize. Now, there's a difference between empathy and sympathy, and the Greeks would know this well because those words come from Greek. But the idea behind empathy is not that you appreciate where the other person is and you feel sorry for where they are. That's sympathy. Empathy allows you to feel what they're feeling. And in this time period, business owners would do well to try to put themselves into the shoes and feel what their customers are feeling. Customers would do well to do the same for the businesses they interact with too. If we all work together, we come out on the other side of this. Now, it's my personal belief that this is not going to be a fast recovery. This is not going to be solved by September. This is something that we will still be dealing with next year and maybe beyond. So what you're doing now is laying the foundation, making deposits in the karmic bank account that allow your customers to know you care, that they are appreciated, and when they decide they want to travel again, when they decide that they want to go to stay at a hotel again, they will remember the hotels and the resorts that thought about them when they weren't there. Every hotel thinks about you when you're there. Very few think about you when you're not there. Excellent. You just gave me the title of the workshop, An Investment for the Future. Uh, that's, that's unbelievable. Joy, you just made life difficult for all our other guests who will come on this show. It was a joy to have you and we're not yet finished. We're going to be moving on to the second part of our show, which is handing the microphone directly to our friends and fans. And let me reiterate once again that uh, Joy's book, which has been a best-selling book, ranked number two in the Wall Street Journal, is available for you to buy on Amazon and we'll be handing over out one book as a gift. Never lose a customer again. And Joy is on his way of uh, writing his second book, Never Lose an Employee Again, which he yeah. revealed uh, just a few weeks ago. So I turn the microphone over to our business development manager, Sofia Shilimitri, who is in Lausanne in uh, Switzerland. Sofia. Hi, everyone. And thank you so much, Joy. I think we got a lot of value from uh, the last 15 minutes with you. I have uh, two great questions coming from the audience, but before I say that, the questions, uh, I would like to tell the people the rules about winning your book. So in order to win Joy's book, you either needed to be registered for this webinar or comment or share any of our uh, live stream videos on YouTube and Facebook by Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. Cyprus time. Okay, so I have a great question coming uh, from Joanna um, Hanzi, and she's saying, is, 
is customer success the same as customer experience? It's a great question. Customer success is another phrase that is often used interchangeably with customer service and customer experience. In its purest form, customer success is closer to customer experience than customer service. But that doesn't mean that every company that calls them their customer success people works that way. I've seen many companies that label the department customer success as lip service for the idea of we really care about you achieving your goals, but in reality, they're more reactive as opposed to pre proactive. I think the secret when it comes to customer success is getting very clear on what the customer's definition of success is. Customer success came from the software as a service industry. And originally it was started as a way to achieve success by getting the customer to use our software. Yes, that has a benefit to the customer, but it's more of a benefit to the business who wants you to keep paying every month for your subscription. So if you have a customer success department, what I would encourage you to do is early in the customer relationship, have a conversation with them to figure out what is their definition of success. You then take their definition of success and your definition and you marry them. You see where they overlap, where they might be different. There might be an opportunity to educate the customer on other ways they could achieve success. But first you have to deliver on the success that they define. That's what will keep the customer from month to month to month. So. Excellent answer. Amazing. Okay, I have one last question since we are running out of time. Do you think that customers, eh, sorry, and the question is coming from Kostandinos Christofi. Do you think that customers will take advantage of our empathetic approach in this post-COVID scenario? I, the customer is aware of the situation and will seize the opportunity. Constantinos, it's a great question. And the answer is yes, some will, and that's okay. Here's the thing we need to remember as business owners. Sometimes our customers behave in a way that is not pleasurable. It is not in our best interest. We get to decide who we do business with. I would rather you over-index or over-exert your empathy and have a few take advantage than to worry about what if they take advantage, so I'm gonna hold back with all of them. I would rather have you deal with a few that are abusing the rights and abusing the empathy and address them individually as customers than do with all of them. Let me tell a quick story if I may. I had the conversation to speak with Tony Shea, the CEO of Zappos. I was doing some work with Zappos and we were having a conversation and Zappos sells shoes online. They're based here in the United States and they're very famous for their policy that you can return shoes up to 364 days after you buy them. So almost one year warranty, one year minus one day to return the shoes. And I said to him, Tony, don't some of the customers take advantage of this? They wear the shoes, they go and they wear them. And then on the last day, they return them to get their money back. And he said, yes, they do. I said, well, how many and what happens? He said, here's the thing. It's a very small number. The first time they do that, when we get the shoes back and we see that they've been worn, we tell them, this is a policy for if you haven't worn the shoes. The second time they do it, we say, 
You've done this twice now. You get one more try. Please don't do it again because then you will not be able to be a customer. On the third try, they ban them from ever buying shoes on their website again. Don't let the behavior of a few bad apples ruin the experience for all of your customers. It's better to make the experience empathetic for all of them and deal one-on-one -on -one than to not be empathetic, especially at this time. Excellent. Uh, Sophia, are we done with uh, the question? Uh, we have one more, if you allow us two more minutes. I know we said uh, 20 minutes, but- uh, I'll keep my answer short, Sophia. You do, Thank you, you do. so you much. Do. No, but you're, you're giving amazing value. Okay, last question. Isabel Harwood, she's asking, what do you suggest to companies post-COVID that will be cutting resources and reducing the possibility of a good customer service experience, sorry. This, this is a hard reality, Isabel, right now, is that many companies are struggling financially and as a result, they've eliminated positions, they've eliminated resources to care for their customers. Here's what every customer will appreciate that doesn't require you to spend a dollar for you to empathize for you to speak to them in a kind and caring way, for you to let them know that you will do everything in your power to help them, even if you might not be able to bring all the tools and resources to bear that you used to be. Humans are very good at sensing sincerity and genuineness. Many businesses historically have decided to throw money at the experience. Let's make the experience better by giving them a discount or giving them this extra thing or these extra perk, instead of making it about connection and about feeling that personal and emotional connection with the customer. I don't know about you, Isabel, but in my life, there usually isn't an expense associated with being kind. There isn't an expense with caring. Okay, so if we don't have the dollars to spend on the resources uh, on the experience that we want to right now, work with your team to make sure they are focused on kindness and caring. Last thing I'll say to this point, as companies have had to reduce the number of employees, your employees are gonna be asked to do more than they were before. Not only are they gonna be asked to operate with fewer resources, but they're probably gonna have new roles and responsibilities in their job description that you're not gonna be able to pay them more for. As business owners and managers and leaders, our job is to also pay attention to the experience we're creating for our employees. If you create a remarkable experience of kindness and empathy and caring for your employee, they will have a framework to apply that when dealing with your customers. If you improve the employee experience, you improve, improve the customer experience. If you improve the customer experience, you improve the employee experience. They're two sides of the same coin. As we polish one, the other side gets shiny too. Wow. Definitely. Amazing, amazing. So in uh, closing, let me recap that kindness and empathy is a new strategy. We should match our philosophy to our customer's philosophy we should be kind and give our customers three strikes before they are out, as Tony Shea from Zappos has taught us. And at the end of the day, we should be moving from customer service to customer experience, from reactive to proactive, if we want to have a future in this post-COVID era. It was a joy and a pleasure having Joy here. 
and uh, hope to see you soon again. Thank you, Sophia, for coordinating everything. Thank you, Joy, for being present. Uh, thank, thank you, Michael you. and Sophia, for the invitation and having me. And thank you to all of you who watch the live stream, who are listening to the replay after the fact. I value your time. I appreciate your time. And I wish you all the best as you continue to create remarkable experiences for your customers. Thank you to all our fans and friends. And we'll be sending you more information on Joy's book and Joy's work. Thank you. Thank you very much.